Never use the interview question ideas from Better Buddies. Hello, and welcome back to Better Buddies. I'm your host, RJ. With us this week, it's John. Hello. And James. Hello. Our Better Buddies icebreaker this week. What is your favorite type of dog? Downward. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> Sick. <laughs> nice. The humble dachshund. Dachshund. <laughs> That was good. Yes. Uh, that's a good answer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really don't think you can go wrong with a golden retriever. I know they're like the vanilla ice cream of dogs, but like, <laughs> I just, I just think they're great. And I say Australian Shepherd. Weird. They're all dogs we had growing up. <laughs> Weird. Wow, that's toxic, no RJ. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, wow. More now like they'll know all my to, passwords are Dachshund My name is on the fucking album art. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Way to Dachshund us, RJ. Uh, <laughs> get off. <laughs> you can't make me. Because if I get off and this bus uh, podcast goes below 50 miles an hour. If this podcast goes below 50 miles an hour, it's going to explode. It will. Oh, no. <laughs> Mark my words. Um, I want to do a Keanu impression, but what is a Keanu impression? It's if like, this whoa. Bus goes this bus goes under 50 miles per hour, it's going to explode. That's like totally not radical. <laughs> I hate oh, that. you went his younger role. You went like Bill and Ted. I was going more like Constantine John Wick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm going. <laughs> I'm going yeah. like Bill and Ted. I'm ready. Like, <laughs> I'm thinking this bus is going fast. <laughs> I'm thinking uh, this bus is going fast. I've never even seen. I've never seen Speed. I don't. I don't no. know. I'm but, on a bus. It's going uh, fast. Fast and <laughs> <laughs> no. I honestly think my. Uh, I feel like you can kind of conflate Keanu, a Keanu and a Nicolas Cage impression. I feel like they're kind of similar. They both. They're both kind of like back in the throat a little bit. Full take. Full take. I think. I think they're both. Yeah. They both kind of have similar vocal styles to a degree. Like it depends on what Cage we're going for, though. Yeah, Keanu's a little bit softer and a little bit slower, whereas Cage is a little bit gruffer and a little bit higher pitched. Yeah, that's true. Cage is much more like, and he's always shouting. Right? It also depends or on like, his role too, because like compare Spider yeah. Noir in Into the Spider Verse against literally any other Cage role. Yeah, that's also very true. Like, That's very uh, true. Uh, are you guys aware that in the Crudes, Nicolas Cage voiced the dad? Yes. Uh, what now? Yeah. The Crudes, the hit DreamWorks, uh, what was that? Movie? Probably a 2015, 2014 Caveman movie. Yeah. 
Huh. Yeah. Yes. I feel like he's got some other voice acting roles that I should know about, but I don't remember. Nicholas Cage? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I feel like he probably does, honestly. I, I can't think of any. Um... On the plus side, all his debt must be paid off because he's been in some pretty good movies recently. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It depends like on how much they made, though, right? I guess it also depends on... What, did he have debt? Is that a thing? Oh, you didn't know about that? No. That's the reason Nicolas Cage got into so many shitty movies is because he was taking literally any role that came across his desk because he needed the money. Well, maybe he, uh, he just he likes like, that. a castle and a T-Rex skull and a bunch of other stuff that, like, he thought he was good to buy, and then, oops, you're in debt, you need to pay it off and sell shit. <laughs> no, that sucks. And I think he got a bunch of fines because he wasn't supposed to have the T-Rex skull. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, yeah, he's trying to become, like, a supervillain. That's pretty cool, though. He should play a supervillain. Um, I feel like he has. Yes, he's had to at, like, one point. But if he has he should. I've never seen Face Off, actually. I haven't either, but as I understand it, the entire concept is that Nicholas, if I'm remembering correctly, Nicholas Cage is a character hunting John Travolta, and they switch their faces. Mm-hmm. Which then means they're acting as each other. Yeah. Which then technically makes Nick Cage acting as the bad guy. Yeah, Nicolas Cage playing John Travolta playing Nicolas Cage versus John Travolta playing Nicolas Cage playing John Travolta. Yes. It's brilliant. It's a, it's a brilliant... That, like, that movie concept is, like... It's so good. It's such a, like, from an acting perspective, it's such a great idea. And, like, there's no way I don't think that it couldn't be stupid. So, I should really watch it sometime. Yeah. I've seen it at Walmart. I'm thinking of picking it up next time. Yeah, you should grab it. You should have a Better Buddies movie night where we all watch it. We can give, like, a review on it. Much like our... Our, our famous Dune episode. <laughs> the Dune episode. I liked that episode. It was a good episode. Timothy Chalamet's... D- Den- no, wait. Denny Villeneuve's Timothy Chalamet's Dune Part 1. Of 2. <laughs> of 2. Dune. We paint down first to part. the planet Arrakis. The part with the Dunes. The Dune and eggs. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, Dune, I heard you like dunes. So I put some dunes on your dune. So you could dune while you do. Wow, John. That's uh, that is some sick memeage from 2008, my man. I'm I'm digging it. Yeah. I feel like I'm back um, in the early yeah, early high school Facebook. <laughs> remember uh, remember the ha- like the hover cat? It was just a cat on a glass table. Yeah, man. Oh, Iken's also has cheeseburger for sure. Oh my god, dude! That <laughs> we we should have time should have stopped. We should have stopped all progress. All technology should have been forever what it was, circa two thousand seven, and it never should have progressed beyond that. <laughs> it should have stayed. You guys remember first iPhone, state of the art. <laughs> Bad yeah, luck Brian and good guy Greg. Yeah, scumbag Steve. <sighs> I remember Comics. Bad Luck Brian. I don't know if I remember Good Luck Greg. 
Because it was bad luck Brian would do the thing and it would turn out poorly. Good guy Greg would be a nice guy about it to you when it seemed like he was about to be a jerk. And then scumbag Steve would just be the jerk. That's true. Yeah, good luck Greg was the guy who was like he was <sighs> smoking a doobie in like a blue hoodie. And he had like a kind of a shaved head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm looking up the oh my god. I'm looking up the um the know your meme page about it, and then one of the recommended ones is loss. Oh man. Do you know how long it took me to find out about the loss meme? In the last two <laughs> Do years. Do you regret it now? I found out about the loss meme in the last two years. What do you mean the lost meme? N- not lost. Loss. Just the S's. Lost. It's just lost. Uh, so a webcomic creator had a... Like, it was mostly lighthearted, goofy, jokey webcomic. And then his wife had a miscarriage, I think. And he okay. made a webcomic issue about it, which John has just posted. And uh, people raked him over the coals for it. Because it, as... The image, it's the, he, like, walks into the hot emergency room, talks to this uh, person at the desk, talks to the doctor, and then it's his wife lying in the bed. But then it proceeded to be turned into a meme of, like, any time the lines of one line, and then the one tall, one short line, and then two tall lines, and then one tall line, one horizontal line, people would go, is this loss? What? Yeah. Oh man, I don't understand this. Uh, part lot, of it I'm was sorry. that he also had a he did not have a great response to the people making fun of him for the comics, so that exacerbated it. Oh, I see. It becomes uh, a certain wow. This is like a very um, complex and somewhat like esoteric meme. Like what oh, the hell? It got so because <laughs> there's layers to it of the original comic and the people making fun of the comic and people making fun of making fun of the comic and then. Yeah. Yeah, this becomes this is like abstract. Yeah, there's there's a lot of layers here. But uh it's kind of like losing the game. Now you're susceptible. Yeah. And oh, you always have to be shit. on your toes. Shit. Oh no. Now we've all lost. Mm-hmm. Uh... You've lost loss. All right. Our next segment, Better Buddies Recommend, where we recommend a piece of media to enjoy. Who wants to start? I have two. Ooh. Um, one serious and one less so, but... <laughs> okay. Um, my first one is The Last of Us HBO Show, which is going to be airing its fifth episode later this week. I've heard really good things. It is quite good. Pedro Pascal and Bella Ramsey do a very good job. Oh, yeah. I've heard um, weird things about it, yeah. It really <laughs> makes me want to play the games again, which I don't really have time for right now. But <laughs> I did but hear I wanna... a little bit of criticism when they, I think it was like episode three or four, they were like 10 miles from Boston, and literally everybody who, from Boston was like, yeah, it's not 10 miles from Boston. Yeah. Um... That's the criticism you heard about episode three? <laughs> Maybe. 
<laughs> Episode three is a very touching gay romance story, um, which, oh, you mean, know, half the internet yeah. is not cool with, but it was a very good episode. I I ignored that criticism because Nick Offerman. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're sticking close to the game where it makes sense. They're deviating where it doesn't. Um, Which I, I heard, think they've done really well so far, yeah. I heard that was one of the things Episode 3 was particularly well known for, was it was a deviation from the game in terms of fleshing out the characters and giving you more behind them. Because as a show, they had like the opportunity and chance to do that versus the game kind of needing you to keep moving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to be honest, I, like, barely remember that part of the game anyway. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think what we got is better. I really quick, I will say that I the only thing I've seen of this is the, uh, like, I've never played the game. I know the I know the general premise. Um, like, I've seen a few, like, bits and pieces of playthroughs. And the only part of the show I've seen was the opening scene, uh, which is, like, that talk show. Yes. framing device basically which i think was actually um it's somewhat generic to open with like oh it's like unrelated media uh piece that like somehow foreshadows like darkly the like forthcoming events of the uh the main story however i really admire like the attention to detail and like the like the work um in uh in that opening scene i think it's done very well so I have yeah. to say it's got one of the actors, I can't remember his name, but one of the actors from Silicon Valley, he plays the host. I was oh, surprised yeah. to see him show up. Yeah, it's big head. Um, <laughs> but yeah. John, I want to ask, because I don't, I never played the games, I don't know. I've heard that the, in like the first episode, that the plague is being spread through contaminated flour from like contaminated grain mills or whatever. And that like Pedro Pascal's character had like three different instances where he could have been infected during the day of like, they forgot to get a cake and they forgot, like he was offered cookies and turned them down. And they, there was like another instance where they were going to make something and then didn't. Mm -hmm. Um, is it same to the games of like, Oh, the plague spread because of contaminated flour or how's it, do they Um, go into that at all? I don't think they really go into it in the games. It's been a while since I've played the first one. So I don't remember but I don't remember an emphasis on, like, flower. They might make a passing comment, but it's never really a focus on how it all started. Okay. I also thought uh, Mr. Pascal, like, I thought Joel was just supposed to be... I don't... Like, wait, is this a spoiler if I say this? It's not right. (laughs) Spoiler tag for for The Last of Us. Spoiler. In the show, kind of. Game that came out in 2015 or some shit. 2013. (laughs) Yeah, I thought, I thought, I apologize. I thought Joel was just supposed to be immune. Is that, is that not his situation? No, Ellie's immune. Okay. Yeah, that's the main catalyst for the story. So Ellie's immune to the infection. And Joel's task is to take her out to Salt Lake City. um, So that uh, this like terrorist group slash rebellion uh, called the Fireflies could research a cure for the Cordyceps virus. So, like, so it doesn't spread through the air. It only spreads to, like, contact or ingestion, basically. That is a difference between the game and the show. Um, mm-hmm. They specifically address that. In the game, it is spread by spores. So, mm-hmm. but they, like, congregate into enclosed spaces. Okay. Um, 
or you know you could get bitten by an affected or something like that um mm-hmm. in the show it is just biting and also like <laughs> um you know just like making out with an infected <laughs> oh no. no 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 um there's this really like ah, this is a spoiler i don't know if i want to say it okay there's a point where a character gets bitten and then one of the infected walks up to them and then like a bunch of fungal spores shoots out of the infected mouth into the bitten person's mouth oh and it's very uncomfortable but it's also very powerful oh <laughs> gross yeah oh nasty god imagine the sneeze though he sneezed and this cloud of spores just poof. yeah what do you what do you guys think about the whole because the whole proposition of the the show like it's kind of main hook with that opening scene is like oh like we're you know currently these fungi do not um they cannot survive in the regular like human body temperature however were let's say some like climatological shift to occur that raised uh their like temperature a couple degrees um where they lived like uh they would have to adapt and then they would maybe like people would be like susceptible to this like what do you guys think about that i think it's plausible like i don't know if the level of control that is demonstrated would happen but Mm -hmm. like cordyceps can already kind of affect people i think so i based on everything i've seen and heard from researchers and whatnot and people who like actually study cordyceps and stuff they're like yeah no this doesn't even that that's not how it works um Mm -hmm. mushrooms varieties or like fungal varieties that infect hosts like that are very very specified to their specific parasite bond like the one that infects ants can't infect beetles and so if mm. it can't infect other insects, there's no way in hell it's going to be able to jump from insects to mammals to specifically humans. Dude, the most complex brain on the planet, yeah. Yeah. Um, on top of that, our immune systems, like, let's be honest, I suspect our immune system destructive tract would probably be a little bit better at handling depending on how the spores enter the body, like, obviously people can get mold in the lungs and things, but that might be, like, it, it honestly would probably be one of those things of, like, it even if it did infect a human, it would be a, oh, you're infected, you're starting to come down with things, you've got this growing inside you, we cut it out, all done. Throw some yeah, uh, it, medicine at it. What happens when you get bitten by somebody else who's infected? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, And that's the other thing, though, is the ants, even with, like, those instances of parasitic uh, fungi, it's not a matter of bites or other contamination methods. It's just the the bug, like, crawls to a advantageous, advantageous spot, blooms the mushroom, and then the mushroom rains spores down on unsuspecting victims. Mm. And the ants recognize, like, oh, this is infected. Get away from it. Hey, that's bad. That's not normal. <laughs> yeah, like they straight up recognize like that is not a normal ant. That is not normal ant behavior. Something is different. Get away. Something's different about that guy over there. <laughs> but like, and even too like, it if it was really like, oh, I need to be in the highest uh, concentration of ants to spread as much as possible. 
it would go back to the hive, right? It'd go back to the ant hill where all of the ants are, and instead it climbs up plants until it sprouts in a spot where it can rain spores down on onto the ground. Also, like, do those do creatures infected with it like show a marked um, tendency towards like aggression? Like, are ants no. who are infected with cordyceps like more aggressive than nope. normal? I would, and that's the thing too is like I would assume like it'd be creepy, but if it did happen, like it probably wouldn't cause like a like you know obviously um, the heightened aggression or anything. Would just you people just walk around. And they bloom, and then it, you know, and just keep going. If it did happen, that's like the the problem with the aggression, right? If the ant is aggressive, the other ants will probably fight it, kill it, and destroy it before the fungus can bloom and spread new spores. So it's more advantageous for it to be peaceful and get to where it needs to be than to draw attention to itself. I do admit it is, uh, it is like a pretty horrifying, like, concept. Um, and isn't The Last of Us, like, one of the most, like, celebrated games the past, like, decade? Like, wasn't that game, like, lauded by basically everybody? Yep. Yeah. It's, it's a phenomenal game. <laughs> the story is great. But... There was, a. Uh, did they wrap it up in the first one? Because there was a second one, was there not? There's a second one. Um, mm-hmm. there might even be a third one i think the ending of the second one could stand on its own really the ending of the first one could stand on its own okay but game two was really good which is again something the internet doesn't necessarily agree on um, I've, I've heard looks, boring yeah looks like the last of us part three will come out in 2026 currently oh um what's your other recommendation <laughs> um so there's been a development in the ai community in the last few days oh um, okay somebody has made like a text-to-speech voice ai okay uh or the final boss of the elder scrolls 3 morrowind nice agath Ur. um so there's just a bunch of v- videos flooding youtube right now with <laughs> his voice and it's just like so niche that it's hilarious but it, when are we getting the guy who said my lord told me otherwise when are we getting my him lord told me probably soon it's just a book here i will <laughs> i'll send you guys one for after the podcast hell yeah um a lot of them are not the most clean so john <laughs> how dare you how dare on this family-friendly podcast (laughs) Um, never Never how familiar are you with (laughs) how familiar are you with this guy's whole deal no like the mythos around him nope um okay i'm not gonna get into it it's gonna take a while (laughs) but yes watch that video later and viewers don't get to experience it sorry Suck it, nerds. Uh-huh. By viewers, I mean listeners. I know what a podcast is. We all do. <laughs> Wait, you don't just have a crowd of people watching you as you're recording? Yeah, they're really freaking me out. Oh. <laughs> you know, I don't like it. I, I just try not to tur- look over my shoulder. I, I think they tend to get ir- irritated when I start to turn my head. Uh, James, do you want to go next or should I? 
I can go. I can go. Uh, so I always say this, but I'll say this just as a caveat. I don't know if I recommended this before. I don't think I have, but maybe I have. But I will go. My recommendation will be 30 Rock. Um, hey, yo. For anybody who has not seen this show, uh, it was created by Tina Fey, and she also stars in it. And the basic premise is uh, uh, 30 Rock, um, the, the abridged... <clears throat> Uh, the, the abbreviation for 30 Rockefeller uh, Plaza, which is where uh, uh, NBC is headquartered in. Um, and it, the show follows uh, Tina Fey as the head writer. Uh, her name is Liz Lemon, and she is the head writer of this show called The Girly Show, or TGS, which is a Saturday Night Live sort of-esque uh, live performance show where she runs a show every week and the the 30 rock that show follows her in kind of her day-to-day exploits running the show and basically trying to keep all of the people she works with sort of uh in line while also dealing with uh her own personal life and her uh quest to as she put it uh one day have it all a family a successful career friends all of it so uh, the show is amazing. Um, it is hilariously written. I would compare the the writing at its best to uh, the golden age of The Simpsons, like that level of writing. Uh, and I like I mean that genuinely. I think the jokes are delivered just so well. They're written just incredibly solid. Uh, it's a very funny show. The cast is phenomenal. You have Tracy Morgan as one of the stars of the show uh, and a uh, a movie star who joins the show to lend credibility in the first episode and obviously stays through the rest of the series. You have Jane Krakowski, who is uh, Tina Fey's best friend uh, and the head, the lead actress of the show, who is kind of like neurotic and uh, very much like a diva but also a good person. You have Alec Baldwin, who is the new network uh, head of NBC and is sort of um, Liz Lemon's uh, mentor or becomes her like mentor and and a close confidant uh, over the course of the series. He's amazing in it. His performance is just singularly so well done. Um, then you have a bunch of great supporting uh, characters like uh, or actors like Judah Friedlander no. as one of the writers. Mm-hmm. Is 30 Rock a comedy, a drama, or a dramedy? Uh, it's definitely more of a comedy. There are, you ha- you will have the typical sitcom like, oh, like there's a moral lesson, like I shouldn't be mean to my friends or I, should, like, I shouldn't lie to get what I want or blah, blah, blah. But the show is very much like in the vein of a comedy and... Um, you should go to the show. This is not a Parks and Rec necessarily where it's like super warm and fluffy, though it does have its moments. And this is not like an office where it's like hyper re- hyper realistic. 30 Rock is literally like, it's almost at its best. It's like a live action cartoon. Like it really is okay. very well done. Um, this is my second time rewatching it. Or I should say my first time rewatching it, my second time watching it. And uh, I will say from memory... The show does start to feel a little stale around its later seasons um, because you just get used to how the characters deliver jokes. 
but I still think it's like really well done. I actually really like the way it's shot as well. This is one of those shows that you can tell was like, I think early in its run, like shot on film, at least it looks like it. And it's actually surprisingly kind of like a good looking show. And given the fact that it like actually aired or started airing around the same time as the office, like I think give a couple of years, I think around 2005 or six was its first season. Um, and it went all the way through 2013. So it spans a pretty kind of like unique era in in our culture and covers like a very wide variety of kind of like current events and things like that um yeah. it's a great show the what i've heard of it is uh i heard a couple of actual comedy writers be like yeah 30 rock was enjoyable but also made a lot of people think that's what our job is and we're like no no that's not how that works it's not nearly that dramatic not that exciting yeah, it's it's definitely a very wacky show because it it goes from like you know, um, there there's like a you know, uh, all, all the situations that she deals with. It's either like corporate stuff with like Alec Baldwin's character Jack, or it's like stuff with the actors with uh, like Tracy Morgan character, the Tracy Morgan and like Jane Krakowski. It's like stuff with the more like day-to-day operations of uh, NBC where she deals with like a producer played by Scott Adsit or a page played by Jack McBrayer um, or it's her writer's room with that she's dealing with or it's like stuff in her personal life and there's a series of guest stars uh, who would like kind of guest stars like her her on-again, off-again boyfriends and stuff like that which is like great to see. Yeah. Uh, it seriously is a great show. I like I have been laughing out loud consistently watching it uh and i'm just blown away by her ability to like act and write and run this whole thing and it is uh tina fey was for quite quite a while the head writer of snl so it is obviously based to degree in some of her personal experience yeah nice well that just leaves me I'm going to recommend The Menu. Oh, I've heard this is controversial for some reason. I don't fucking care. It's so good. Um, I can see how it could be controversial because, like, it's not really a comedy. It's not really horror, despite having elements of both. It kind of has a, method, a message about interclass competition and rich versus poor, givers versus takers, service industry versus people in the one percent um without really saying a whole ton but i think it misses i think everybody who gets concerned about that kind of misses out on the point because when i watched it the point of the film was not the class warfare part although it was an element the point of the film was not just trying to scare you horrify you like horror movie and it certainly wasn't a comedy the point of the film was about passion and the lack thereof. Um, but Ralph Fiennes plays a like top, 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 top tier celebrity chef, Julian Slowick, who invites all these people to his restaurant on an island. And uh, one of them, uh, Anya Taylor-Joy's character, she was not supposed to be there. She's filling in for a girlfriend who broke up with... Um, What's his name? Nicholas Holt. Nicholas Holt's character. Like, he 
invited her out because he like needed a date so she wasn't supposed to be there originally and throws a wrench into the plans of julian as he goes about attempting to murder all these guests but one of the best things about the movie is the way it's shot and the way it's structured and set up because it is it uses all the same elements and aspects of cooking shows and describing food and how they do the like so it the menu is follows a menu so like course one course two course three course four course five so they'll start with course one and uh, he describes the course and then it cuts to a shot of the plate of the course with the food on it and a little text thing comes up with the description of the course and they do that for every single one of the courses and <laughs> like the as with like the cooking shows that are like a little bit more serious a little bit more about just like making the dishes they'll do the like panning shots or the slow shots of the people just cooking and focusing on the actions of making the food but also, they'll throw jokes in. So, like, the advertising spoils that, like, oh, it's out there to... They're gonna kill the people. They're gonna kill the people on the island. So, like, I there's, like, one scene in the trailer where the dude takes off running away off onto the island. And that's a situation where, like, all the guys are told, like, okay, go. Go run. If you can, uh, if you can escape, you're free. Go. You get a 45-second head start. And, of course, everyone gets recaptured and they don't make it away. But the last guy to hide hides in a... The last guy to be found hides in a chicken coop. And the uh, sous chef that finds him opens the door and hands him a, like, branch with, like, a chocolate egg in it. Like, a Cadbury egg in it or something. Like, some sort of egg-based dessert. And he's like, uh, for being the last one to be found, here is your reward. And the guy just, like, gingerly takes it. Knowing that, like, yeah, he's fucked, he didn't escape, but also they're still following through on etiquette and all the niceties of being restaurateurs. <laughs> um, so, okay, yeah. yeah. I was I was gonna ask, so is it like, uh, is it like a Hannibal Lecter thing where it's like they kill them and then they serve, they serve the people to the other people? No, it's not cannibal. Okay, okay. Um... It is mostly intended as a revenge thing of all these people are people that kind of took the love of cooking that Ralph Fiennes' character had and ruined it for him. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> that's so funny. Oh, And it's shit. as petty, like, spoilers for the movie. So, spo- like, I've been spoiling it, but, like, spoilers for the movie, like, one of the guests is a film actor, like almost like a Nick Cage level film actor where he's got some good stuff, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of crap. And he literally got invited because when Ralph Fiennes character was like trying to work his way up as a chef, he had one day off a week and he went to the theater on his one day off to see a movie. And it was a bad movie that that guy was in and it ruined his week. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> So like, but in in doing so, it was a commentary on like art and you are an artist. I am an artist. You, we should be holding ourselves. We should be creating art and putting things out there and not just shoveling shit. And you ruined my one day off. (laughs) 
<laughs> I couldn't think of a better actor to to play someone oh, kind of like so good. He's so serious, upper class time. and vindictive. Yeah, but he is so much just tongue in cheek, very very dry humor throughout the entire thing, and the you just gotta watch it. It was so good. I, also, I hate to be a numb actually guy. I do want to say though, what I I do believe his name is actually pronounced Rafe Fines. I think is that's how you say his name. It is. Know? It's it's it is. no. There it, it is. It it's like some. I think it's Irish. Actually, I think it's Irish. Um, but it's it's Rafe yeah. Fines. I found that out like a couple of years ago, and I well, was like, yeah. "Oh no!" American pronunciation, Rafe Fines. Well, there we go. I was like, "I know," because it looks call me like Rafe, Rafe Fiennes. <laughs> but no, that actually, honestly, RJ, your your recommendation genuinely makes me want to watch it. Um, like I, I originally wanted to see it because I saw the trailers in theaters, and I liked Rafe Fines. I liked Anya Taylor Joy. I liked. Mm-hmm. The boyfriend, Mike Holt, what's his name? Nicholas Holt. Nicholas Holt. I like Nicholas Holt well enough, although I hear he's kind of an asshole in real life. Um, mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, this looks interesting. I like these actors. I like this premise, and it doesn't seem like a pure horror movie, so I think that's fine. And it's really just like a thriller. But it's, there were so many instances where, like, it was really well timed of like ebbing and flowing and getting you right into what's going on, but then pulling back a little bit and slowing down, then speeding it up a bit and slowing down again. And like two or three times throughout the film, I was just like, this is fascinating. That's really, that's it's cool when a film can surprise you um, like that and it really kind of be something new. Would you recommend two questions? Yeah. One is this A24, and two, would you recommend seeing it in theaters? I don't think it's A24. I don't remember okay. it being A24. Um, it's not in theaters anymore, though. Okay. Uh, I missed it on the theatrical window, and I wanted to Shit. see it so badly. I saw it for 15 bucks at Walmart and said, ah, fuck it, I'm just going to buy it. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. I might uh, I might try and find myself uh, Will Ferrell a way to produce. watch it. Oh, that's fantastic. Along with Adam McKay. Yeah. Ooh. It appears to be on HBO. It is, in fact, on HBO. Um, Directed by Mark Ip- Lloyd. Ipso facto. And production companies were HyperObject, Gary Sanchez, and TSG. Distributed by Searchlight Pictures. Okay. Budget of thirty million with a box office of seventy nine point three million. All right, that's not bad. It's that's, not great, but it's like, a, it's not awesome, but it's not bad. It turned a profit. It did probably. Um, it I think it probably broke even. Maybe came a little under. Um, well, I mean, it depends on how much you factor in for advertising. If it was a budget of thirty million, and it's like what half of that for advertising after the fact. They usually say almost double your budget, um, like double your initial budget for okay, so like breaking like even ten million, yeah, and then any secondary costs. So it it probably it probably did okay, um, but it's that's a pretty decent. I, I wonder what 
well, what, why it would cost thirty million. Oh, that seems like a pretty low. Well, wait, you mean that's low or not high enough? It seems like it'd be low. It's like, or, or I'm sorry. It, yeah, it seems like it should be lower well, because it, that, that doesn't seem to me like a very high budget premise. So it's not a high budget premise, but there's a couple like things that happen that would up the budget. So like, yeah, they're mostly in the one set. But mm-hmm. a guy gets his hand cut off, a ring finger cut off. So, like, they've got the deal with the finger being missing for half the movie. There's a guy mm. that, that gets lowered into the water, like, as a display thing. And they watch as he gets lowered in. And there's that. Um, there's a couple of, uh, like, fire instances where, like, they'll do fire and things like that. So, like, a, a little bit of effects work that kind of went into it. Okay. Okay. Nothing like huge, but just enough to kind of like push the budget a little bit. Yeah, that's fair then. Honestly, Will Ferrell, Adam McKay producing team, they are killing it. They're all, they also produce uh, Succession. So. Oh, really? Yeah, good on those guys. That's really cool though. Cool though, RJ. That's a, that's a good yeah. rack. Um, but yeah, watch the menu. It's, and again, as someone who likes food shows, it, I was so happy with the way they structured it as like a food show or food movie should. And they hide jokes even in like the re- the course shots. So like they'll put up the course and list out what the course is and what the ingredients are, but then like throw jokes in there as well. So like you got to read through it to catch it. Okay. That's fire. But yeah. I think... Uh... I think they should make a, a sequel or nope. a remake where uh, they have the the chef as a dag author. <laughs> That's what they should do. <laughs> Sweet and intoxicating innocence. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Beautiful. I fully back this project. <laughs> Good. I love that. Good. I'm happy. You could probably do that these days. Yeah. I mean, just like recut a movie with one character replaced with a texture speech AI. If we can supercut Star Wars, it's true. <laughs> Into the single Star War. <laughs> the Star War. John, will you fight with us in the Star War? Will you? Will you? How long is it again? It's what, like six days? Six days. The human body can only last five. <laughs> What? Nah. <laughs> the, to watch all Star Wars everything in a uh, row. All, all the canon content. Uh huh. The human body can only go without sleep for five. On day five, your body literally just fucking dies. Say, says you. Says you. Says Rooster Teeth when they produced the show day five about a sleeping sickness that killed people who fell asleep and everybody was trying to stay awake. Yeah, but I mean, like, you know, what are they backed by? Medical science? What has medical science gotten right recently? Not <laughs> much. But join us, John, as we die in the attempt to fight the Star War. Yes. Well, the one war. Oh, man. By day three, you'd be so fucking delirious. <laughs> oh, yeah. You'd be hallucinating. It'd be, it'd be nuts. Where would you be, like, halfway into the Clone Wars? Um. I can't remember the sequence. Uh, yes, you definitely, because the yeah. Clone Wars themselves, I think, is like a day and a half or something. 
to watch wow. the entire series? All yes. six seasons? I think. Well, well the three, you'll knock out the first three movies in, like, ten hours. And then the Clone Wars... Because it, it is six seasons, but even with, like, 20-minute episodes, depending on how many... That's a, yeah, that's but there's also... There's a specific the Star Wars one episode out of each season. That's two it's, hours. It's, it's not just uh, watching. Um, it's not just watching. Like you're not just watching them necessarily in order. There's like a specific order to the Star Wars. There's a very oh, like no no James. The Star Wars is everything in straight in order. Remember, it's just everything stitched together. Like throughout. No, I thought like the I thought the oh, Star Wars was your original pitch. The very first one that you gave in in the oh, in God. that podcast, that one that one would be nuts. Yeah. That one would be insane, which you can still do. You can still sit. John, together. did you listen to last week's episode so we don't have to rehash this all again? I did not, but I oh, will. No. So you don't have to explain it now. Yeah, we, uh, you yeah. Got, just go listen. It, we lost our ever loving minds. It was it was awesome. <laughs> it was great. I gave you like was... three new ways to watch the watch order. For a moment, I I knew what it was like uh, as the Pope to watch, uh, you know, Michelangelo paint the Sistine Chapel. I was really watching our shit go. James in there getting his dick bit by a snake. Yeah, I was like, wow, hey, that's me. (laughs) Oh, do you include the holiday special? Oh, shit! That's another two hours. Oh apparently. no! That's the snake biting your dick. Yeah, that's that's probably that's where you'll die. <laughs> imagine dying watching the stars all day special. Can wow. you imagine? Uh, because you know, the Star Wars holiday special actually has to come in in Episode Six because they introduce Boba or in Episode Five. They introduce Boba Fett. And then we cut back to the holiday special, watch the entire holiday special, and then resume episode five. Oh, so it's oh. like an ODST situation. The entire timeline is an ODST situation. Yeah, gotcha. you're you're going out. There's a central thread, and you're going out to different points through it. Yeah, starting with episode seven. What? You start okay. at episode seven. Okay. And then don't get him. Don't go get him going. It'll, uh, yeah, it'll, I'll, yeah, it'll. I'll go listen. Yeah. Um, do we want to do some How to Be a Better Buddy? Let's do it. How to Be a Better Buddy, where we give some real and some humorous advice. Our first question this week. How predatory is it for women to persuade lonely men at bars and clubs to buy them drinks and then never talk to them again? Uh, mm, pretty, pretty, pretty fucking predatory. predatory. Pretty shitty. Honestly, I mean, I understand the impulse, and uh, I'm torn. You know, on the one hand, as a lonely guy, don't don't fucking do that to me. That fucking sucks. It sucks shit. It hurts. On the other hand, get on that grind. You do you. We're all just out here trying to survive. Right. Uh, what is it? Gaslight Gatekeep Girl Boss? That yep. was Gaslight Gatekeep Girl Boss. I believe girl that boss, was... Girl Boss Gaslight Gatekeep James. Oh, sorry. We're uh, gonna get cancelled, James. What is it? I thought girl it was... Girl Boss it's... Gaslight Gatekeep. No, it's it's also... It's Gaslight Gatekeep Girl Boss, know. I thought, as well. You liar! <laughs> Gaslight Gatekeep Girl Boss. Yeah. James, I'm just too busy gaslighting you so that I can gatekeep and then Girl Boss. <laughs> 
Oh, yeah, Wait. look at you. No, 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 no. <laughs> they show up in different order. Gaslight Gate, keep girl boss. I keep seeing it. Yeah, it's, that, it's, that is the official one. Yeah, no, I, I like, uh, I don't know, like, to be fair, like, to be fair as well, like, what they're, like, they, I don't know, they have to a degree of points where it's like, if you're, like, if you're buying them drinks in the hope of, like, receiving something from it, that is, like, a pretty, that's pretty shitty, un, that's pretty shitty for you to do, like, the fact that they have to walk into that interaction and that's like a thing like that's shitty. So they're really just, they're kind of taking advantage of like a, of a, of a shitty impulse already. Um, at the same time, it is like still a shitty thing to do to take advantage of a shitty impulse. Like, so I think here's the path. It's okay to do this to guys. You think are just using the buying you drink to believe you owe them something. It's not okay to the guys who want to buy you a drink because they just want to talk to you and get to know you. Are you able yeah. to tell that difference in the bar at the moment? No. Yeah, no. that's the problem. <laughs> that line is that's so... impossible to ask. <laughs> yeah, it is. And, and that line fucking blurs with alcohol. Now, like, if you could even see it clearly. All men going forward need to have little signs. <laughs> <laughs> they just put a little sign on their head. Yeah. So that you know what to talk. Mean. <laughs> wow yeah that's um <laughs> you know what you're right i think that'll work i think if i wore a sign on my head that said just looking to talk i think uh definitely i'd, I'd get a lot you just lot uh you just go around wearing a dishwasher magnet either set to clean or dirty um <laughs> yeah no exactly that's that's very good John has solved bar interactions. That's funny shit. That actually that, that actually might get you somewhere. Oh, I don't know why. That's hilarious. It's like one of those little name tags. Right. Yeah. That's that's cute. I love that. Um All right. Um I think that solves that question. Mm-hmm. I have questions about how this scenario comes up, but that might just be telling of my experience. How do you mean? <laughs> I don't think I've ever bought a stranger a drink. You ever been alone at a bar before? No. There you well, go. Well, once, but it was like during dinner hours. Yeah. So it probably doesn't count. Anyway, we can move on. Our <laughs> next question. <laughs> What questions to ask at the end of a job interview when they ask, do you have any questions? With the further details, recent graduate and have been going through interviews, and I keep just saying, not at this time, but I hear that asking questions is a good sign, so any suggestions would be helpful. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've been doing a lot of interviews in the past, uh, like, four or five months, like, being an interviewer. And one of the things that I respect is when somebody asks, like, what I enjoy about working at this place. Like, it shows they genuinely care about their well-being, and they're not just looking to get a job. Yeah. You know? I've, that's great. I totally agree with that. And I think the tiding question you can ask to follow up, but you have to make sure you word it right, is, what do you think is the biggest challenge in this position? 
<laughs> because it shows you care. You're trying to be aware of what you're walking into, but you can't word it as "What do you hate?" Because you ask what you hate, they're not going to tell you what they hate. What am I getting myself into? They might. It depends on your interviewer. Yeah. This is true. I would also put out there, have a fun question. You know? Like, last year, literally like a year ago, I was working the job circuit. I was doing interviews in the spring. And when I had interviews, I'd ask all the usual questions for my field of like, oh, what about this? What about that? But then I'd try and end it with... Something like, if you had to be, like, centaurs are half horse, half human. Mermaids are half fish, half human. If you could have any animal half, what animal would you pick? One of the icebreakers we've literally used on this show. And a lot of times it really got people engaged. And it was also a really good tell of, like, what they were like as people. Because if they really didn't care, they didn't engage, they didn't take it seriously, they'd just be like, oh, uh dog i guess but then you get the ones with weird animal choices or the ones who are like oh i have a cat so i'm picking cat or i love my dog i think i'd be dog like they give a little bit of additional reason or they show a little energy to the question it shows mm-hmm. they're engaged in you as a candidate and it shows that huh. you're fun i guess it depends on the the context and the kind of job you're applying for because that would like really catch me off guard as an interviewer and i don't know if i would appreciate it <laughs> Yeah, mm-hmm. and it, that's part of reading the room, too. Um, but I, based on the interviews I've known and the people I've known who've interviewed, catching them off guard a little bit, you stick in their head. Um, I have a colleague who, when he was interviewing, they were like, oh, so do you have any questions? And he asked something about, like, frogs. And they were just like, wait, what? And he said, well, you asked if I had any questions. And that was a question I had. <laughs> What's your third favorite lizard? Yeah. Um, there's another one I really... What was the other one? I had another... Oh, um, cake or pie. Just cake or pie. I actually ruined an interview once with these questions, though. I uh, So I, I applied to this job, right? And yeah. went through the initial thing. And they're like, oh, uh, fill out these... Like, here's the list of questions we're going to ask you in the interview so you can kind of prepare a bit. I said, great. I showed up for the interview. It was on, like, through Zoom or whatever. And I was like, okay. Like, yeah, did introductions. They said, okay. So we're going to start with whatever questions you have. And then if we need to, we'll switch over to our questions. I was like, all right. Uh, fuck That's it. That's weird. But okay. Um, so I just started going off on my goof questions because like, fuck it. They, they put the ball in my court. This is what they get. Like you're supposed to be interviewing me. <laughs> uh, and about ha- it was like, a they were like, okay, you'll get 20 minutes for your questions and like 10 minutes at the end for ours. And I got halfway through my stuff and they're like, well, can, would it be okay if we asked, if we asked a couple questions now? And I was like, yeah, sure. Go ahead. Cause it was like, really? Time. What the what the fuck did you think I was going to do? Like, it's the first round interview, and you said, what questions do you have for us when I haven't even fucking interviewed yet? Yeah. yeah they probably I, just like to see. They, they, I mean, it's a, it's a shitty thing to do, but they definitely, they were just seeing, like, how you would respond. 
I think they were also trying to create space for you to like clarify that this was something you wanted to actually go for. Like anything you couldn't find out on their website or something like that. Yeah. And I had such fun questions too. Like I, I literally just pulled a list of like I had two lists, 10 questions that we'd done as icebreakers for the show and 10 serious questions. And my plan was to do like half and half. Mm -hmm. But I also expected I'd answer all their questions first. Right. And then would do my questions. So it's just kind of like, all right, this is what you get for jerking me around. (laughs) I wonder if you could have opted to ask them to go first. I probably could have. And that was the wild thing, too, was I had I knew somebody else who applied for the same place, and they didn't do that to them. They probably learned their lesson. I think <laughs> I went second, though. I'm pretty sure oh, I went well, second. Maybe they just wanted to change it up that day, and you yeah. drew the short straw. But. James, do you have any questions you think would be good to ask in interviews? I have a couple. Um, when I was an interviewer, I asked, uh, and this was like kind of mean but this i did ask this because it puts you on the spot i uh i asked um what's something you think everyone should know about like just tell me something you think every everyone should know about i just kind of saw what they did and i actually got some pretty good responses on that and one of the answers to it was the whole reason i hired somebody so really i wouldn't say the whole reason but it was definitely like a key factor because I think like seeing how somebody responds to a question on the fly, uh, for me, like being able to roll with something is a huge part, not only about like interviewing and job, but also just kind of like life and how you kind of behave in general. And, uh, I think like being able to sort of quick, like first thing that comes to mind, just commit to it, like do your best. Um, that's really all. I'm kind of like looking for. I never asked this, but I do think it'd be fun to ask other people. Um, like if I was asked, and this is more of like a fun question, right? But I would ask, like, if you could pick like a movie uh, where you get to be the starring role, like, what would be the movie and what would be the role? Oh, see, and I was hoping you were going to pick the question of if you could pick a movie where all of the characters but one were played by Muppets, what movie would you pick? <laughs> And who is not a Muppet? Definitely Schindler's List. And Ray (laughs) Fiennes would not be a Muppet. (laughs) That definitely says something about you as a person. I know. (laughs) Oh, I was going to do Liam Neeson is not a puppet. (laughs) Particularly for that end scene where he's like, the car. I could have sold the car. How many people could the car have saved? Where he's like, like, other things he could have done to save people. But it's just Muppets. (laughs) And then, like, they do the scene where they do the dentistry to get, like, the gold fillings to make him the ring. But they're, they're all just Muppets. Oh, <laughs> uh, you might actually be kind of right. Yikes. <laughs> I'm not gonna... As awful, this is terrible, but it... But keep that's... in mind, in Schindler's List, only one person is an actual person. Everyone else is Muppets, including the Nazis. <laughs> That's true. Uh, way to otherize an entire group of people, RJ. So, a Ray finds Muppet so loading the Liam rifle. Liam Neeson is standing there taking orders from Muppet Gestapos. <laughs> the way they walk out of the room. <laughs> 
I want to pitch that as a movie. <laughs> oh my god. Oh. Oh my god. That's that's awful. That does um, say something about as a person. No, the Martian. <laughs> the Martian both ways is great. Where they're going back oh, to save a Muppet and he's the only human. <laughs> <laughs> The Martian, he, the Martian, uh, Brad Pitt, or what's his name? Who's who's the? Matt it's Damon. Matt Damon. Damon. Matt Damon is the only human, and the rest are Muppets, and they still have songs. It's a goddamn musical. Oh, uh, I I would love to see a Muppet like Mission Control. That actually would be hilarious. I'm but sure that's been done. Oh, absolutely. It's literally a movie so called been. Muppets in Space. Oh man. That's so funny. Muppets Team America World Police. (laughs) (laughs) But one somebody has to be human. So who's the human? Matt Damon. (laughs) Matt Damon Damon as himself. Just going, Matt Damon. Damon. John, that's such a good answer. Oh my gosh. That's brilliant. Oh, that's funny. Oh. On that note, it is time for our episode to end. Aww. Did you figure out which one of us was the Muppet? It was me. <laughs> I'm the Muppet, it's me. <laughs> nice. Wow, look at you. Working at a topical reference. Right under the wire. Alright, thank you both for joining. It, it's been a good laugh. Thank you. This this was fun, as it always is. Thank you. One of these days, James is going to say that wasn't fun, and I'm going to be so crushed. No. This podcast was cringe, RJ. (gasps) Yeah, RJ. Real cringe, bro. How dare you actually try to put it as the office? Is it as bad as the office? No. There we go. We met our standard. That's a low bar, though. The The office is a work of art. Sir. <laughs> Look, oh, the office. I, I acknowledge its place in in uh, TV history. I acknowledge it does have some very good jokes, lines, and characters. I believe its value in that comedy is far outweighed by how cringy it got and how much people fucking overhype it. It was not made for me. All right. Thank you to the band Problem of Interest for letting us use the song Living in the Moment off the album Cross Off Yesterday. You can find them on iTunes and Spotify. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever fine podcasts are sold. We're also on social media. Our Facebook is Better Buddies, where we have our meme Mondays. Our Twitter is at Better Budcast. Use the hashtag Better Buddies when you tweet about the show. And our Gmail account is betterbuddiescast at gmail.com. You can send us fan art, hate art, fan mail, hate mail, declarations of love and or war, icebreakers you want us to answer, questions you need advice on, or movie pitches you want to hear us try and make into an actual story. Last but not least, be a better buddy. Yeah. And I guess, I mean I guess if it's a if it's a side project, obviously. It's a side hustle. Yeah. But if I you're mean, counting I'm, Yeah. Doubt I'm gonna sell them. You should do it. <laughs> and then I guess to be fair too, it's the cost of the finish, like whatever the finish costs. Yeah. Which might be a little more expensive. As well as any tools to like if you're doing any engraving or whatever. Mm.
I got a wood burning pen. <laughs> I don't know how to use it. Oh hell yeah! You customize <laughs> them. Stocking stuffers. yes. Santa Santa came early this year, and all he brought were cribbage boards. No. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be one thing if he brought everybody a courage board, but he brought them all three. We don't know why. Ho, 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 these profit margins are ridiculous. <laughs> Ooh.